Yeah, hey, you tell them heaven is my destination. Until I reach there, I'm teaching this kingdom education. Hey, don't be scared to lay your hands on the sick. And don't be scared to cast the devil out quick. Cause your obedience will unlock a miracle, though. Don't act hysterical, radical, born again, fully. This is the Gospel Unbroken podcast with Kevin and Alex. Let's awaken the lion. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Gospel Unbroken. I'm Kevin, and I got Alex here again with me today. What's up, Alex? Uh, not much, brother. How are you? I'm I'm great. Uh, we have a very special man in the house today. Uh, if you guys were listening um, prior, you know that we have spoke about this man. It is a man that I admire very much. I'm excited. I know Alex is excited as well. Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about our guest today, and I have seen uh, the fruit of his labor. I've seen uh, the harvest. I've met uh, one of his daughters, amazing woman, and he he did a great job. He did an absolutely phenomenal job, and I'm excited to learn about that because I myself have two little girls and hope to raise them as awesome as he raised his. We mentioned this book in the episode before. Uh, in Tender Warrior, God's Intention for a Man, Stu Weber writes this, Four Pillars of a Man, King, Warrior, Mentor, Friend, the Four Rhythms of a Man. The heart of a king is a provisionary heart. The king looks ahead, watches over, provides order, mercy, and justice. He has authority. He is a leader. The heart of a warrior is a protective heart. The warrior shields, defends, stands between, and guards. The heart of a mentor is a teaching heart. A mentor knows he wants others to know. He models, explains, and trends. He disciples first his wife and his kids, then others. He has a spiritual heart. The heart of a friend is a loving heart. It is a caregiving heart, passionate, yes, but more compassionate. A friend and a man is a commitment maker, a promise keeper. This man is all of those things. And so without further ado, I welcome you, Mike Cole. What's up, man? Well, guys, thank you so much for having me on uh, your podcast uh, I, I think that sometimes I've, I've read before that a measure of a man is, is by the way he takes a compliment. <laughs> so first of all, I'm super honored that you guys would think those things of me and that you would think to even have me on. Uh, but all the glory goes to God. Anything you good, good that you see in me, he gets the credit, right? Amen. Um, and I listened to your first podcast and was very impressed. I enjoyed it a lot. And all of those things that you just read, Kevin, my new son-in-law, yeah, uh, it's an honor. Yeah, I love it. Um, all those things that you just read is the desire of my heart to be those things uh, to my family and to my friends and in my community. Well, I will tell you that uh, what I do know of you, I know those things all to be true. And I know that, you know, we have had a very short time together on this earth, but there is many more conversations for us to have. And, and I know that those things will remain true. For so. sure. Yeah, this is a marathon. It is not right? a sprint. Yeah, I see you. I see you digging over there, Alex. What do you What do you got? You know, I, <laughs> we uh, at church today we heard a, a great message um, about raising our children um, in the in the world we live in today. So, just brought uh, a lot of thoughts to mind. But I want to hold off. I'm going to let uh, Mike uh, go ahead and uh, introduce himself and, and kind of lead this. And then um, when the time is right, we'll. Uh, We'll discuss some things and, and 
and let God do what God does best. Speak through us. Yeah, you you guys are going to enjoy this just as much as we are. So, Mike, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about you know where you grew up, where you came from, and and let's let's see where the the Holy Spirit takes us today. Great, sounds good. So, um, as you heard, my name is Mike. I'm 55 years old, just about to turn 56. I've young <laughs> lived in the Marysville area uh, my entire life. My wife, my bride of 35 years, and I just uh, retired from 32 years of teaching and coaching in this community. Uh, you know, I have two, as you uh, mentioned earlier, two wonderful, wonderful daughters, Callie and Summer, and get to spend now time as uh, Papa and Nana to our four beautiful, incredible grandkids. So life is just an, an, a huge blessing. Growing up in this community, my dad was a deputy sheriff. Snohomish County detective and a bomb technician. Oh, man. Yeah, a lot going on. My mom mostly stayed at home but taught preschool for a few years. And they had a couple of side hustles as Avon sellers and professional photographers. What is an Avon seller? Avon is a product. Perfumes, lotions, anything that you, you know. Oh, yeah. It's like a whole big thing in the South. Like Avon lady shows up to your house. She's got like... She's got like the hand creams, lotions, is that, is that, creams. Is that like another Mary Kay? Oh, yeah. Similar, yes. Okay. It was before Mary Kay, I think. Okay. All right. Continue. Sorry. I was just like, what, what is Avon? Yeah. They had to have some side hustles to make ends meet. We had a family of six. and Is that where your daughter gets it? Is your daughter is the hustle queen? I don't know. She they might it have might, skipped a generation. It might be genetic. Yeah, it might be. Um, but just kind of keeping the focus on, I guess, the spiritual side of things. You know, we went to Grace Baptist Church as a family on Sundays, on Sunday nights, on Wednesday nights. I also attended Christian school there from fourth through eighth grades. So church was a big part of my experience as a youth. I remember my mom enticing us kids out of bed in the morning with the smell of pancakes and waffles, eggs and bacon. She was a very wise woman. <laughs> And uh, my dad had his records playing on the big console record player, and we would get up, and that would be kind of our, the start to our Sunday mornings. I also attended uh, Arlington Christian School my freshman year, and I really started feeling the pull at that time in, of the secular world, feeling like maybe I was just missing out on something, like maybe I was being too sheltered. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had my neighborhood friends and my soccer teammates that all went to public school, and I started to express my strong desire to attend public high school. And my mom eventually, eventually reluctantly relented and let me. Uh, I ended up at Marysville Pilchuck High School my sophomore through senior years. At that point, I began to really rebel against the Christian values that I had learned. I liked going to parties and started drinking alcohol and everything that goes with that lifestyle. And looking back now, I'm so grateful that my parents sent me to private school. Not that those things didn't exist in private school, but on a much smaller scale with fewer opportunities. Had I gone to public school earlier, I've said this often, I likely would have started experimenting earlier because I was more of a follower, wanting to fit in with my peers, wanting to be accepted. And I don't think that's an uncommon story. I think that's a pretty common story. That, that's, a, that's a hard thing for me to picture, is you being a follower, because I view you as such a leader. So it's... it's Hearing that, it's hard for me to imagine the man that I see as, as that. That has required work <laughs> and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I used to be, I would also say, undisciplined. 
And now, because of a lot of work, you know, one of the most disciplined people, I, I mean, it sounds like I'm bragging, but it's just a fact, I, you know. Yeah, I, I'm sitting here and I, I'm kind of, I get it when I hear um, a follower. It makes sense to me. Um, you, you, to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. Just kind of the way it is, right? You, you, you have to learn from somebody. You didn't, you didn't become the leader you are on your own. Like, like I always hear people say, well, I got here by myself. And I'm like, no, you didn't get here by yourself. Somebody helped you. Somebody along that journey gave you a helping hand. I can promise you that. You may not see it, but someone was like, hey, let me help you out. Gave you a hand and helped guide you to where you are. So that I do understand that. And I do get that. And I think we've all probably fell to these temptations because as leaders that we've become today, we had to start somewhere. So yeah, following is just the, the natural, um, the way. So it makes sense to me. But my question it came to mind. So your, your father being a deputy sheriff, tell me, tell me what that was like. I mean, I, I, in my mind, instant strict. Yes, he had a strict side to him. Uh, his word was the law. You know, it was uh, times when he would get home from work and, you know, when he got home from work, he would kind of want to check out because he had seen some hard stuff and dealt with some hard things. And so his mode was to kind of sit in the, in the TV, you know, in front of the TV and just kind of check out. But if we had been bad at home, you know, the first thing mom would say is, hey, you did something wrong. Get it, get the belt. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally get it. So that brings to mind another question for me. So you say uh, long day work, check out. I think we all do that as men. I mean, I, I, I've told Kevin before, I said some days I come home and I'm just like, man, I don't even want to, I just want to like, nobody, nobody talk to me, nobody bother me, leave or, me alone. <laughs> or the opposite to that, that a lot of us sometimes have a hard time checking out and we bring it home with us. And so I think, I think that's a big lesson that a lot of men one need to learn and two need to continue to work at, at either separating it or like Alex said, staying engaged. Yes. I, I don't think I have all of it figured out. Uh, first of all, you guys have built me up, uh, you know, and, and it's, it, like I said, it's constant work and, and had, I've had my fair share of struggles and things like that. But, um, yes, when you get home, you might want to check out, but your feelings should not dictate what you do. Right. So being and you're, I'll talk more about this later. Being intentional means that when you feel like checking out, you don't do it because there's something greater that you want to accomplish. So would you come home after a long day's work do you, when in your younger years as an early father, early on in the in the stages of fatherhood? Did you, how how long did it take you to, to stop checking out? I'm not saying that you did or didn't. I, I don't know. I'm just if you did. How long did it take you to kind of change that mindset? What what were some of the things you may have done or, or thought about? I mean, because to me, I'm thinking, like, my first thing is, like, I just got to pray because, like, I don't know what else to do. Um, and I've, like, come to that conclusion a lot lately, just pray, pray. And I even say it at home. I'm like, oh, I just pray about it. I say it jokingly, but it, I think it's taken taken as jokingly, but it's not. I mean, seriously, pray about it because, like, how how do you – navigate life as a as a father as a parent as a person without praying yeah it's exhausting um yeah pray for sure first that's the first place to go to but i remember having a vision for how i wanted to be with my family from the very beginning 
I wanted to be, and you're, I'm getting ahead of myself because I have a couple of words in here, but one of the things I wanted to be was intentional about everything, especially with time, right? So um, when Callie was born, um, I started getting up at 4.30 every single morning to exercise while she was still sleeping because I knew that after school, I didn't want to be away from her. So I knew I wanted to be home and engaged. That kind of goes along with what we talked about last week was being present. Being present, be, yeah. before Before anything else can fall in line as a father, any of your other roles, you must first be present and not just physically present, but you have to, you got to be there. So I, I love that you, you hit on that. So you were saying you kind of, you kind of started to rebel yeah. and you started to go the other way. How long did that continue? And then what, what ultimately started to pull you back to Christ? Uh, I continued to gratify, gratify all the desires of my sinful nature into college up until the point when Chris and I decided to get married. At that point, uh, you know, I just knew that I wanted to do things differently because I was no longer living for just myself, right? I wanted, I had a, a wife that, you know, because of my Christian school upbringing, which I'm so thankful for, I, just, I knew those things. Right. I strayed away from it and then I wanted to come back to it. You know, every family member kind of ha- of every single family has their own unique perspective and memories of growing up that are completely different from one another. Right. Uh, I remember plenty of good things about growing up in my family, but I also recall lots of chaos and conflict, which is probably pretty normal for most families, I would guess. Yeah, I think I, I think a lot of families can find their own form of chaos. I often say things like struggle or pain is relative. It's not it's not on a definitive scale. So, what is trauma to you? may not be trauma to someone else or chaos to me may not be chaos to Alex. So, so true. I, I love that you said that each family has kind of their own unique, I guess, chaos. Yeah. Just talking to my brothers about our lives growing up, we have such vastly different memories of how it was. Right. And I bet if you asked Alex's siblings, they would probably all say the same thing. Oh, we, we had very different upbringings. Yeah. I mean, my, I would say my, my oldest two brothers, they're, it was different for them, right? They, they had just come to the States. Um, they had just uh, moved to Alabama. Life was different. Uh, access to things was a lot more difficult. And then as I come up, it's like all these things, I mean, my, my dad's, my biological father's mindset changed, becomes more of uh, a lenient on drugs and alcohol. So as I'm coming up, I'm catching the, the bad season. They got the good season. And I got the bad season. So my memories are more like, oh, it was terrible. Like, it was rough. It was hard. He, he was always, you know, let's just, let's just fight. Let's just get it over with. Throw some gloves on. But theirs were different than mine, which is interesting because I, I got a different season than they did. And, and thankfully so, right? I mean, God does everything for a reason and a purpose, right? So at the end of the day, it worked out the way God wanted it to, I think. Yeah, he's orchestrating things. We also have a part to play, right? Absolutely. For me, as a, a peacekeeper by nature, I remember having a strong desire to kind of escape that turmoil. I wanted to get out of that environment. Uh, I remember even at a young age, watching not only my own family, but also taking note of what I liked about other families in my neighborhood, my friends' families. And even then, I recall beginning to make plans for how I wanted my future family to be and how I wanted it not to be. 
as soon as we got married, I remembered wanting to become the spiritual leader of my family. I wanted to start going to church again. And it reminds me of that verse in Proverbs 22.6 that says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I don't think it's unusual for people to stray and make their faith their own at some point and then come back to it. Yeah, I, I, I love how you, you separated that, the depart and stray. Because I think, not all the time, but often you do hear that the very young that grow up in the church, at some point in time, they get pulled away to experience what the other side is like. And I think that ultimately builds their faith so much stronger when they come back because they now know what the other side was like. Like for me, I didn't grow up in the church, but by the time I got to it, I was 30 years old and I had spent 30 years on the other side and I knew how bad it was. And so that's like, there's no way, there's nothing that's going to pull me away now that I've experienced God's grace. You've had to, you had to have known that there was something better that you had seen or experienced because to be able to compare it to the bad, what are you comparing it to? Right. I agree 100% with that. I, I love that. Right. You do. You see it. You're like, man, I, I, want, I want that. I want what it, whatever that is. I want it. Uh, I, I do. I recall that. I mean, I, uh, like I said, I was adopted. So um, at 18, I, I graduated high school, went off to the Marine Corps. And my life kind of changed and I kind of completely straight away, right? Just completely walked away. But, and then here I am at 30 and I came back and I was like, man, this is, this is where I should have been the whole time. What did I do? Why did I go so far away? And I don't know. I mean, maybe it was, I guess I got hurt or something, which is typical, right? I mean, you hear that often people get hurt and they don't want to come back around, but I finally kind of worked my way back and thankfully so, I mean, cause God is really, um, Definitely done a lot of amazing things in my life. But yeah, I did. I 100% I strayed. Didn't think I was going to ever come back. Honestly, I didn't. In, I had no intention. Me and uh, my wife were sitting down and just like, hey, we should go to church. Like, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. I'd be cool with that. And then the next thing I know, I'm just like, it's like I'm plugged back in. And it's like God's right there waiting with his arms open. Like, come on, I'm here. I'm waiting. I just start talking to him again. And it's like it picks back up right where I left off. He's like, hey, I've been waiting right here. I wanted to keep going, and hey, I, I just wanted you to know I'm still here, and we can pick right back up from this moment and move on. And he redeems us, and how many people need to hear that because they think they're irredeemable. They think that they, they're so bad, they've done so many things wrong that they don't belong in a church. This is, this is the crazy power of God. When me and Alex met, I was not following Jesus Christ, and Alex was, I don't think you were, you were going to church then. And we met for like, was it like a month? We met at the gym. It was we, in 2017. We met at, yeah, we met at the gym. We went and played a couple rounds of golf, and then I moved away. Yep. And now here we are, six years later, doing a podcast talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. Like, how crazy is that? That's divine intervention, <laughs> right? It, it is amazing. Like, I always hear, I don't think things happen by accident. And like the, as I've gotten older, I start to realize, like, uh, in my life, I don't think anything has happened by accident. Everything was was very purposeful. I mean, I have met people, and then I see them again in a moment when I need them or they need me. It's whether it's encouragement or something that I say or, or something both. or something that I do. I don't. It, it just it blows my mind. I'm like, man, I met you twenty or ten years ago, and never thought I'd see you again. And then here we are, and bam, God starts working his magic and making things happen. And you're just like in awe, but 
like I think I think everything that God does is very very purposeful. It, you know, things don't to me don't happen by accident. I think everything is very intentional and with a reason. Yeah, I agree. I can see across my entire life how God has taken care of me. There's, you know, it's no cakewalk. It's been no, you know, no, nothing perfect. There's been good things and bad things and hardship and struggle and loss and all those things. But through all of it, you see how he's working. And, and uh, I just want to, you know, be, live every day out of gratitude for that. So you, you carried on through college and you met Chris, who is a wonderful woman. Uh, you got married and you'd known that you wanted to, to start going back to church because you had this vision of what you wanted your family to be. But how did that actually come to action of going back to the church? Yeah, well, I'm going to back up even a little bit further because we never really talked about how I came to Christ. And I think that's yeah, a yeah, big, yeah. big part of the equation here. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And, you know, we're talking about men, right? And yes. I think that um, men, it's so important. It's our, our role is to be the spiritual leaders of our family. Okay. And so for me, I consider my mom the biggest influ- spiritual influence in my life. She would stay in her bedroom in the morning and pray and read the Bible. She posted Bible verses on index cards all around the house. She taught preschool at Grace Baptist Academy so my parents could afford to send my sister and I uh, with a reduced tuition. She taught vacation Bible school for the neighborhood kids in our backyard. More, more importantly, she led me in prayer at a very young age to receive Jesus as my Savior. I remember having so many great spiritual conversations with her as she drove me on my paper route on Sunday mornings at 2 a.m. when the papers were too big to deliver on my bicycle. (laughs) She even went door to door to share the gospel during the early stages of her Alzheimer's and dementia. She was so proud of that because she she was aware that she was losing her memory and to be able to complete this course that she then went took and, and went door to door to evangelize. Now she would be the very first person to admit that she was far from perfect. Uh, and had her fair share of struggles in life. But her example of loving the Lord was instrumental in my own salvation. Uh, When I was young growing up, most kids in my neighborhood, most families went to church. They didn't all go to the same church. Some were Mormons, some were Jehovah's Witnesses, some were Baptists, you know, and all over the place. But a lot of people went to church. uh, And that's what I saw. Just the other day, I went to my grandson's um, assembly. And I was super encouraged to hear they were doing a preview for the next month's character trait, which was, I think, gratitude. Yeah. And a couple of the kids on the video that they showed to the whole assembly at a public school said that they were grateful for Jesus. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Callie told me about that, and that made me so happy. Yeah. I was like, there is hope. Yes, that's what I felt hopeful. So, Mike, my question for you is, what are some of the challenges you faced as a Christian throughout your life? There's certainly a lot of them, and it's tough to narrow them down, but I can, I can hone in on a few here. Uh, let's do it. Okay. Well, one of the very first ones early on was that not everyone is excited about your faith. <laughs> you know, the friends that I used to party with didn't seem to really want to stay connected anymore, and that was hard and felt a little bit lonely. Uh, I didn't want to hang out in bars anymore because I knew that that scene is where I was off in the worst version of myself. And I was on a, a whole new mission to become the best version of myself. And I think that's that's probably very accurate, being one of the hardest early on as you're making that shift because the the previous, I guess, life that you're living is so fresh. And it's that transition period, which I think is when you're 
really tested, don't fall into the temptation. Like keep keep following me. But like we talked about earlier, God provides in those times. Like you guys connected at about the same time in your journey, and I connected with another buddy at the same time that he was also trying to come back. So how did you maintain that excitement for yourself in your faith? Everybody around you is like, oh man, that's that's not it. Like come come drink with me, come party with me, come come be of the world, come be the world with me. How how did you maintain that excitement that steadfastness to stand strong. I recognized, I think I recognized that what I wanted was far greater than what they had to offer or what that lifestyle had to offer. About how old were you when, when that took place? I would say 21. That's pretty good. I, I, I was thinking, I was thinking in my mind, thinking about mid, mid twenties. Cause it seems like you, you, you gotta kind of as, as young as men, like we 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 develop a little slow. We're not as fast as the that's women. So true, and that and that's some okay. Of us slower than others. <laughs> yeah, some of us a lot slower than others. I'll be one of those. You know, it, t- it took. We're it both took Marines. A, it took a long time <laughs> to get to to the point of that, where I have realized that what God has to offer is way better than what the world has to offer. But it takes a. It took a long time, and um, it it was a journey. It was tough. I mean. I mean, there were days early on where I was like, man, I could just go hang out with the boys and like, I don't, I don't have to feel like, like I do right now. Cause there were, there were some hard moments. Like I remember, you know, I would say something to somebody and I'd be like, man, that was, you you were wrong. And it would eat me up or I would action, anything would would eat me up. Cause you know, God was like, Hey, you know, that ain't right. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta fix that. You gotta do better. And so that would kind of, kind of like bring down the excitement because I was like, man, the pressure's on. Like I could feel God working on me, but I could just go and escape and be with the world, and it ain't, it ain't a problem no more. I don't have to worry about it anymore. It all feels good. Yeah, <laughs> it it just took a really long time to get to that point. Well, yeah. and and it's a very slippery slope, as well, you know, because what starts out as 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 temporarily blocking it out becomes a permanent thing because like when i got out of the marine corps i started facing all the trauma and what started out as a temporary drink to numb the problem became a bottle of jack daniel seven days a week which ultimately led to me almost killing myself in a car accident so yeah it's a slippery slope so you have to you have to lean in hard to your faith you have to rely on jesus because as all three of us here know we can't do this alone we cannot do it on our own power that's right. And every one of us are on our own trajectory of spiritual maturity. The Bible talks about spiritual maturity. You know, some are babies in their faith, like, you know, drinking milk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, every, the story's different for everybody. Um, another lesson I would say is that men need accountability in our lives. That's huge. Accountability is huge. Find one or two other men who we can share anything and everything with, who will check in with us with our struggles who will challenge and sharpen us, who will call us out when we're off track, men who will help and encourage us on the path to being and becoming the very best version of ourselves on our life journey. We need men in our lives who are committed to praying for each other and just be great listeners. It helps if you have other things in common as well. Um, Interests, hobbies, family. Family's huge. Uh, I've been incredibly blessed in my life to have friends like this. Barry and Bill are my Proverbs 18, 24 friends that says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. 
but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, these guys have seen the absolute worst of me and the absolute best of me and everywhere in between we have a history. So I have many layers of accountability. I'm accountable to my wife and kids first. I would never want to do anything that would make them ashamed of me or make them think of me as a hypocrite. I'm also accountable to my church family, but ultimately we're all accountable to God. And I want to, like I said before, I want to live my life out of gratitude for what he's done for me. 100%. I got a question about this. So it is so hard to find uh, brothers to be accountable to. One, it's it's a self thing, pride. I got to tell you something that I'm not I'm not necessarily happy about. Pretty tough. How did you How did you and 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 your friends How did you guys navigate that? Well, I would say Barry is gifted at helping a person open up. He is just an open book himself, and that's the key. He's wide open. He'll tell you anything. And he's learned over time that he can trust me with anything, right? I'm not going to go and tell anybody else. And that's how you learn eventually who is going to be a great accountability partner. You know, there's got to be that trust there as well. A hundred percent. And I think in, in, I think that has become so much harder now because we have these social media and all these other things that hinder this and are in the way of it and kind of, you know, cause some, uh, some uh, waves so to speak, um, in this um, area of our lives of accountability. Because, I mean, for me, like, I think the biggest thing is just the pride part. That's the hardest part to get over. But, you know, I don't think there's, you're not going to find many men who are going to say, I don't have any, any issues with pride. I mean, there's got to be something that you're yeah. just like. My hey. joke is to say, I'm probably one of the most humble people that I know. <laughs> yeah. Right? I think on the, the other side of that equation, too, though, is making sure that we are someone that can hold someone accountable, like that we can be trusted, that we can be someone that is comforting enough to that, that they know they can come to us. And I knew I wanted to tell this story today, talking with Mike. I wasn't sure when I wanted to tell it, but I think this is a good time. And I, I don't think anybody knows this story and you're probably not ready for this. Right? <laughs> That's good. But, That's but okay. one, one, this will, this will speak to, the character of this man, but it will also speak on this, this topic of accountability. So when I proposed to his daughter shortly thereafter, me and Callie made the decision that we were going to move in together prior to being married. Mike could have went about this very many different ways, right? He, he could have, like most people, you know, he could have complained to his wife, complained to Callie, you know, all these things. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He called me and he said, Hey, you got a minute that we can talk. And so, you know, he, he let me know his opinion. He said, Hey, um, you know, I, I didn't know this was happening. I don't really agree with it. And here's why, you know, and he, he laid it out in a very respectful, direct manner, not coming at me. Right. And one, that was a big step because we didn't really have that, that strong of a rapport at that time. So I, I said, okay, you know, and this is all he said. He goes, I want you to give it some thought. Will you consider not moving in with her until you're married? Now, the story doesn't end the way that you probably think it ends. Me and Callie sat down and we talked about it, and we came to the understanding that it, that it was the best decision for us to move in together, which was against what her father had just asked me. But I wasn't going to let Callie be the one that told him. So I, I, I asked him some questions about scripture because I, I, I didn't have a full understanding. 
And when it came to her, I said, you know, I think this is, this is the best decision for us. And what was amazing was he, he didn't change. He checked me. We had a very different opinion and it's never changed. And so like for me, that opened that door that was like, I can go to this man and tell him anything, whether we agree or disagree, and he's not going to change. And, and so I think that is what we all need to strive to be. Kevin, thanks. That was, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I didn't want to like, you know, put any strife here, but it's not even a strifeful question, but it's more like this. Mike, how long did it take you to get to where you can navigate a conversation like that with, a ma- with another man? I mean, because you didn't just wake up and that was, you were able to navigate a question where he didn't feel, he, he felt like, it, it, he, there wasn't like a. I, I never once felt threatened by it at all. Yeah. It, like I didn't feel ever like there was any repercussions depending on what my answer was. It, it, it didn't like the way I, like the way I understood that and I'm taking it as like, there was no like headbutting. It was just like, hey, this is where I'm at. This is where you are. Let's talk about it. How, how did you get to that? Because I know that, I've gotten a little bit better at it, but in my early years, it was like, oh, you're wrong, and you're wrong. Yeah. You know, and um, so many different ways to approach it, but to me, like, when you say accountability, like, the way that that sounded to me was like, you're just trying to be like, hey, brother, I, I just want to hold you accountable, and I want to, and I want to be respectful, and, but I want you to know, you know, that you're account, we're all accountable to God, and in that type of situation, so I'm just trying to figure out how you, uh, how'd you get to that, like, one more thing real quick. And on that, like I, I saw that as, because by this point he'd given me the tender warrior book and I'd been reading it. It talks about the spiritual leader. And not only did I take that as he was trying to spiritually lead his daughter, but like I'm not even married to his daughter and this man's already accepted me into his family because he's trying to spiritually lead me as well. Yeah. So if you know anything about me and you guys don't know me very well, honestly, we're just still getting to know each other, but <clears throat> conflict is terrifying to me. It, uh, it always has been, and I don't like it, and I try to avoid it, actually. And to me, for some people, that might not be a conflict at all. It might not be scary. Uh, it is for me. And I have learned over the years to lean into those kinds of things that scare me and to just go ahead with it because I know God's in control. I'm not. That was actually, I think, one of my points that I was going to bring up. Um, I'm not in control. Uh, I, have learned through a lot of conversations and again, I'll give Barry a lot of credit. He is someone who is open and willing to talk about anything and everything, hard stuff. And he's really opened that up in me as well. And we encourage each other. We spur each other on as the Bible says, we sharpen each other. And so when I do stuff like that, it's not easy at all, but I have learned to just go ahead and do it when I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you see in me, again, I said it at the beginning, is the Holy Spirit working in me. You spend you know, every day talking to God and reading his word, there's going to be change. There's going to be good things that come out, right? And your accountability partner can't be feeling like it's you trying to get, get you. Oh, I'm just waiting for him to mess up so I can get him, right? No, it's not that at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's, I love that you said that because that kind of goes along with like how I always talk about like how I forgave my parents is I had to come to the realization that they never set out to do anything to hurt me. And so I think for, you know, being an accountability partner or having one, you, you it has to be, you have to find someone that you know is coming from a genuine place and what they are saying and doing is out of out of genuine love for you and, and what they 
deeply feel convicted is, is the right thing that they need to say to you. Yes, out of love and also showing grace like God has shown us a ton of grace. How do you think you, I don't know if you, you asked this or not, but like, how do you think two men build that up? Just time. I think over time, uh, you know, situations arise and you, you have to be honest. You have to tell your, your partner what, you know, your accountability partner or partners what you're struggling with. We all struggle with stuff mentally, emotionally, physically, um, you know, anger, whatever it is. And some of it's embarrassing. Let's be real. We don't want to put that, uh, broadcast that out there, right? But, uh, you know, we have to, as men, let each other in on everything. Uh, find someone who you can do that with. And it's, there's nothing better because, you know, if I go to my buddy and say, hey, how you doing in this area this week? And we've already built a trust where we can, I'm not judging you. You can say whatever you want to say. And we're just going to work our way through it. We're going to pray together. We're going to ask for forgiveness if necessary and, and just try to uh, support each other. How would you say that these guys helped you uh, on your journey as a, as a father? Because I'm hearing like, man, these guys have really sharpened you, have really made you a, a tool that God can truly use. Like you, well, he can use any tool because he's God. He can, he can use anybody. But I, I just see you as a fine-tuned um, instrument that has been, um, you know, made to, to assist and help and guide other men in their journey. But I'm, I'm getting a lot of it is, is from those guys. And so I'm curious how they helped you become the father you are today, the father you were 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I was ago. a, I was, that was a parent before they were, uh, they had, they each had two kids of their own and two kids of their own. And so we all had two kids. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, once you get into a community like that, you do life together and you make your family the focal point. You make it the best that you can make it because I've heard this said by a, a guy that is currently running for president. I don't even want to say his name, but, um, he says that the family is the greatest form of governance known to man. Well, I, th- I would say the Christian family is the greatest form of governance known to man. So all the problems that exist in the world we're trying to solve politically, it's not going to happen, but we can solve a lot of the world's problems or help with, uh, good solid christian families right that should be the focal point oh that is spot on that needs to be the focal point and i i mean the 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 little time that i have invested in the faith like that's already been been made aware to me and that was like an a, a a driving force behind this you know like more people need to be talking about this the world needs this our community needs this, and especially the men need this because, like you said, men are—we are the leaders. We are—we were designed by God to be the head of the house. We are designed by God to be the leaders, and if we are leading in that manner, we're the head of the house. It, it trickles down to our wife. It goes to our wife's friends. It goes to our children. It goes to our children's friends. But if we're not doing it, it's not going to happen. Yes, you can affect so many people just by being the spiritual leader of your family. Because, like you said, it just the the ripples go far, yeah, it's far like a away. Spider web. Yeah. So, Mike, in my life, uh, in my journey with God, I've had struggles finding my identity in Christ, and I kind of want to hear, you know, how how about you? Did you have those struggles? Did you find it? 
have you found it? Are you still searching? I mean, I know for me, there's days that I really feel like I haven't found it. And then there's days that I feel like, oh, this is what God wants me to do. Yeah, I definitely lost my way. And, you know, it took me time to learn that I, I had an identity in Christ. Uh, it wasn't automatic. It just took time through experiences. Um, when we realize, I think, first of all, our society is full of identity crisis. Uh, people don't know who we are. They're searching. We are all searching, right? Uh, when, we, when we realize who Jesus says we are in the Bible, then there really is no room for feeling sorry for ourselves or even focusing on our negative thoughts or feelings. Rather than having a victim mentality, we should have a victor's mentality. Rather than thinking less of ourselves, we should think of ourselves less. Those sound kind of trite, kind of like sayings, and they are. I've picked those up along the way. Uh, I have a framed reminder of my identity in Jesus hanging in my bathroom that I've tried to commit to memory. These are verses that go with each adjective describing who we are in Christ, but the whole thing put together says this. I'm a beloved child of God, delighted in and forgiven, washed clean and free, a temple of the Holy Spirit, adopted into God's family, a co-heir with Christ, righteous and new, a saint set apart as an ambassador of Christ, a co-laborer, a sweet aroma who is never alone, I'm a masterpiece, wonderfully made, bold, having guaranteed victory, holding a secure future and whole in Christ. Man, I'll be honest with you. I, I find moments where I hear those and I'm like, that is, I am not that. Like that's, that, I, I feel like that's a struggle for me often. And that might be in part due to my time in the faith, but there's often like, remember when I was talking about the fear of the Lord and I was like, I don't know if I am truly doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I, 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 I struggle with that identity in Christ. Like sometimes like I, I exactly. You're saying feel, you're saying feelings. And I think feelings are tricky. Your feelings are not always a good indicator of what we should or shouldn't do, but these are words that God has given to us from the Bible. So deciding, choosing to believe it is the key. So true, right? You've already won. God's already won. This is who he says I am. Yeah. Who am I to argue or, or think differently because I feel differently or because I don't feel something? So how would you, then? Uh, my question would be, how would you advise or, or talk to a young man and, you know, say, hey, man, when you, that is a feeling. How would you, how would you help guide him back to like, this is how you get back into the word. This is how you reaffirm to yourself that like, no, I'm not what the evil wants me to think I am. I'm not, I'm not this. God tells me I am this. Yeah. There is an enemy working overtime to try to trick you and, and deceive you. Right. Um, and feelings are real. Feelings are important, but again, it's not a good indicator of what we should do or shouldn't do. Oftentimes it usually is a, a is a, a signal that something's off or something's on even. And so acknowledge the feeling, mull it over <laughs> And then just remember, you know, you're reading words from the Heavenly Father that say something about you. And to focus on that, we get to, I think, I always think that we get to choose what we focus on, right? I have my negative thoughts, but I'm not going to dwell on them because that is not productive. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, That's a great like, verse. It's like, hey, uh. Man, I'm not feeling like like I'm doing all these things. No, no. Trust in God. Trust in God. Let him guide you. Stop trying to do it yourself. And I think when we have those thoughts, 
Kevin, because I know I've had them too, brother. So you're not alone. And I promise you, there are many other men out there, whether they want to admit it or not. Oh yeah, I don't, same I don't way. Think I'm alone, but I also have no no shame in you know saying these things. Oh, and you shouldn't, and you shouldn't, because we've, we've all been there, right? So yeah, and in those moments that you know, as as difficult as it may be in the moment to just be like, all right, I'm gonna trust God, because it's not always easy, right? We're we're human, we make mistakes, and we don't always trust God like we should. But a simple reminder for ourselves: hey, trust God. Which I think is probably where the accountability partner comes in into play you know you start feeling that way hey man alex dude i don't i'm not feeling very righteous i'm not feeling very holy i'm not feeling very whatever the word is i don't feel this no no brother proverbs tells you this jesus says this so that goes back to like you said mike having one two whatever it is accountability men in your corner hey man i need i need a boost like i need i need a reminder because sometimes we don't have the self discipline or self-will to open the book and find the reminder ourselves. What I'm gathering from all of this is it sounds like some Christian men need to get together, spend some time together, grow together, hold each other accountable, and go out and, and be great leaders in their families and their homes so that those uh, so that those branches from their family can go and reach others, right? Plant seeds all over. Yeah, and I think it's like Mike said earlier, we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional with it. We, you know, we can't just sit back and wait for the guys to come to us or, you know, like we got to seek it out. We got to be intentional about it. And I think that goes for all men across the board. Yes, you guys are being intentional with this podcast right now. You, something happened that made you think of it and you, you acted on it. Uh, you had a plan. You put it in motion, and you see where you want it to go. That's being intentional. Well, your daughter would tell you I, I probably didn't have a plan. I had an idea, and it just kind of the plan formulated as as time went on. <laughs> That's the man side of you. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I once read a sign that said, "God doesn't uh, call the equipped; He equips the called." <laughs> so just remember that. Yeah. All right. And who was the first person I called? I called Alex. I didn't. I didn't even ask him. I didn't even give him an option. I said, "Alex, I got this idea. I want to start a podcast. You're going to be on it." And he didn't hesitate. He was like, "I'm in." I love that. Yeah, I was like, "All right, I'm in. Let's do it." I mean, you know, just trust God. Just like, hey, man, God. Like, I, I like to talk to God like he's a person. So, like, that's how I do it. That's how I conduct my business. I'm like, hey, God. So I uh, got this thing that's coming up, and I'm not even sure why I said yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm going to do it, and I need your help. Like, I try to teach, also teach my, my daughter to talk to God like that. I'm like, hey, just, you know, just talk to him like he's a person. If you're upset, tell him. If you're mad, tell him. It's okay. It's, it's all good. He's there for you. He's going to listen to you. Just talk to him. He's a, just talk to him like, like you would a friend. And I, and I try to do that and I catch myself sometimes and like sometimes when I'm when I'm talking to God it, it's it's funny to me cuz I'm like I'll be talking to God and I'll be upset about something and it's like I'm so mad about this this and that and I can and then I start to say this stuff out loud and I'm like oh okay all right he already knows yeah he's like he's like hey, it's all good it's all good man just talk to me come to me bring it to me and and he kind of navigates me through it and it's funny like scriptures you know things will you know, I'll open my Bible like I'm going back to the where I left off and then I'll like 
stop on some random page and glance at it real quick and it'll be like something that I probably needed or something that I didn't need at the time. But then like a couple of days, weeks or months go by and I'm like, man, I read something the other day that, and it's like, I'll start like, man, what was it? And I was like, it was something in the Bible. Now it starts coming, coming to me and not necessarily what part of the Bible. Cause it, you know, as time passes, you know, that memory starts to fade a little bit, but I'm like, man, you know, God is God's, he's prepping something. He's working something up. I just got to trust him and lean in. Yeah, I like that word, lean in, or those words. Speaking of a couple words we alluded to earlier, being intentional and attentive, those two words stand out to me more than anything when it comes to spiritual leadership in your family. Um, As a man who's supposed to be the spiritual leader of your family, being attentive and intentional is crucial. So give your wife and your kids your full attention. Spend quality and quantity time with them. For kids, love is spelled T-I-M-E. That's so important to remember. After our first daughter was born, I I told you guys I woke up at 4.30 every morning to work out at 5 a.m. while they were still sleeping. That way, when I came home, I could spend time with them after work. One of the mission statements at our church is that we give up the things we love for the things that we love even more. This means sacrificing what you would rather be doing in order to be fully present in their lives. Put down the phone, turn off the TV, and make memories. Be the example you want your kids to follow. Like my mom did for me, I wanted my kids to see me growing spiritually. They saw me read the Bible daily and take a large binder full of notes. We intentionally took turns praying at dinner time around the table every night. Alex, you asked about that earlier. We prayed with them going to bed at night. I taught Sunday school classes that my kids attended. And like my mom, I left index cards with Bible verses on their bathroom mirror. (laughs) Alex, you remember last week when we were talking about fatherhood and we said that we laughed at the saying that do as I say, not as I do, when really kids are going to do what we do, not what we say. I can tell you that Mike did that because his daughter is probably one of the best people I've seen at that about time with her children the last thing that woman will do when she is in the house is be on her phone the last thing she wants to do is sit in front of the tv i mean she can be dog tired soaking wet just came in from cross country and the kids are like let's go on a street walk and what does she do she doesn't even bat an eye she's like let's go and so like i think that speaks to we need to do what we want our kids to do and I know Mike did that because Callie is a direct image. And let's give most of the credit to Chris, my wife. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like you, like you said, you're you're leading the the household. And if you asked anybody in your family, I know their answer would be, "Our father is the leader." You're you're you know, Chris is a strong. She's a strong role in it. Let's not we're not discrediting that one bit. But if you ask any of them, they're gonna say. My father is a leader. Yeah, we're, we were a good team for sure. We were a great team. To this day, you can see it. Team, yeah, yeah, to this day, you can see it. I mean, it's, I don't, you haven't talked about it, but I mean, you and your wife coached track together for 25 years? Yeah, she didn't coach that long, but yes. Yeah. Uh, she, you, she was on my track staff. Yeah, you guys taught in the same school for 30 years. Yeah. Callie's on the track. She coaches track. She coaches cross country. Like, And all that honestly was intentional. I mean, oh, I, I, believe could go, that. I could go into like... You know, when, when the kids were starting elementary school, I uh, transferred to their school so that I could be at school with them all day. 
they were in my fifth grade class. Then they left me and went to my wife at the middle school. And then I transferred to the high school where it wasn't quite as cool anymore, but I did it on purpose so that I could be with them all the time. Now that sounds helicopterish, and there was a, there's a balance there, but I always said that if I'm gonna err, I'm gonna err on the side of caution. And I wanted to make sure that I was scouting ahead, that I was looking out for anything that could come up that would be a challenge or a problem area and just have a plan or formulate a plan. He does say that because when it came to the moving in with his daughter conversation and we were discussing scripture and kind of like, well, yeah, the Bible doesn't definitively say A, B, or C. He goes, if I'm in doubt, I'm going to err on the side of caution. So like everything this man is saying, like he lives out, he does it. I, I, I've seen it firsthand. You know, look out, anticipate the struggles and challenges that will arise, have a plan. Don't be afraid to make the hard decisions and sometimes be the bad guy. I mean, man, the rubber hits the road when the kids become teenagers. Parenting becomes hard, harder. <laughs> okay, before you go any further, I've asked this question to a few people in church and you said, look ahead and be ready. And me and Callie have had this discussion. There is a lot of things going on in society right now that scares me. There's a lot of things that are being blasted in children's face that do not align with how God wants us to live. And I know me and Callie have struggled with the conversation of like how and when do we address these things? Like how do we how do we get to it before someone else gets to it? Cuz there was like I don't remember who said it, but there was a, uh, some statistic that says the first person they hear something from is what they're going to believe. So if they hear something or they see something before they've heard our beliefs on it, they're more likely to question what we're saying. Yeah, that's the society we live in. And so that, you know, being completely present, knowing who their friends are, knowing what they're doing, and, and really our kids did everything, we did everything together. You know, we were always together. And when we did it with things with other families and other kids, they were the friends that I talked about earlier, right? We made sure that was all intentional. Um, because if you're just letting them <laughs> go on their own, leaving them to their own devices and while you're on your devices, your screens, and just checking out, yeah, you're in trouble. So I think that, you know, they're going to go through that stuff. They're going to experience that stuff. But the key is that you're talking to them and you're in it with them and you're, you're, you're speaking truth into their lives. We don't want to expose them to something that they haven't even thought of, sure. but we also don't want to be too late. So it's like, it's scary. It it's, is. it's scary as a parent to like, man, this is a fine line to walk. And it's a, it's a learning curve every day. Your kids are athletes. So when it came to, I got a cross country meet or this meet or that meet on Sunday, where did you draw the line? I don't know. Maybe because it, now it's more prominent, right? Like you have AAU and this league and that league and some of this and some of that. Or yeah, that's great. It, it was never an issue. We never had anything on Sundays. Okay. And partly was because we didn't buy into the whole hype that you needed to do year round sports. Okay. Like we recognize that sports are something you do. Kids get under the impression that that's their identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they put all their eggs into the sports basket and the parents care about it more than the kids do. And they're living their, you know, unmet dreams and goals through their kids and all their resources and their time and everything goes into the sports. 
and it's just out of control. I think it's out of balance. I have made the statement that if anything comes up on Sunday, if it comes up during the time we're going to be at church, hate to break it to you, you're going to be at church. You ain't going to whatever event it is unless you're in the military and you have to go. Because I have that, like, right, I, I still, I'm still going, so, like, I do have to attend on Sundays there. So I do miss church, but I listen to it on the way back. But I kind of signed a contract, agreed to to be there, right? So that, you know, I got to be there. But, like, when I, I talk to the, to my oldest about sports and stuff, and I'm like, if it's on Sunday, I hate to break it to you, sweetheart. If it interferes with our time with God, it ain't happening. Are there other opportunities at church that she could go on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night or another time that where, you know, she could do both? Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to promote doing both. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, like I'm saying, if if the game's at, at noon and we can go to the 830, okay, I can do that. But if it's like something that is like from 830 to noon on Sunday, sorry, you're not going because, well, we, God's got to come come first and he's going to be in, in that time slot that we're going to be attending church as a family, growing in our faith as a family, being intentional with our time with God and building that. That's huge because I heard, I heard this saying one time. It said, what we make optional, our kids will find unnecessary. And they basically said the same thing like, church is it's not optional in our household. Me and my family, we serve the Lord. And like you said, they were they were talking in the context of of travel baseball. And she said, I, I tell my kids, Coach, I'm sorry, Coach. This is interfering with church. Like, my kids aren't going to be at the game because it is not an option. And the guy says, like, what we what we make what we deem optional, our kids are going to find unnecessary. You think that's true, Mike? I agree. And I think that uh, you also said something important. Talk to the coach. And if that is not going to work for the coach, then that's probably not the team for your kid. I'm gathering you, you had some, you made some boundaries and you're intentional, right? And being intentional, you made some boundaries. For sure. Like, like Sunday sports or doing all these travel, this travel, that not yeah. necessary. No, I made the call on that. There was no way we were going to spend all of our family time running around who knows where to one kid here, one kid there. To, Parents are split. Yeah, to chase the college scholarship or whatever it is that they're saying that is going to be, you know, the scouts are there. It's a highlight weekend or whatever. It's just all, it's crazy. It's just a money grab. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if, if God wants you to go and be a professional and glorify him in that manner, I'm sure he'll open that door. Sure. And if a, a kid has to show, I mean, they get sick of it. They get burned out. I mean, this is a whole nother topic. I mean, right. as a coach, right. I could talk on that topic for ever. For days. <laughs> yeah. He's got 30, what, 30, 25 years? 32. 30, 32 years of being able to tell stories about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What boundaries? That was the boundaries. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Decide as, as, a, as a father, as a leader of the family and, and, you know, your team with your wife, decide what's the most important and then make a plan to make that happen. I love it. And that, you know, your spiritual life is should be top priority. 100%. Did I do that perfectly? You, no way. Not uh, even close. <laughs> if you did, I was going to say, if you did, man, like, do you got a roadmap for that? <laughs> I'm sitting here sounding like I did everything perfectly. There's no, no it didn't happen. No, I, I don't think anybody thinks that. But, I, you know, I think that there's so many lessons that can be learned from another man's experiences, including 
the failures and the bumps in the roads. And hey, man, this is where I went wrong, which may not be the same for your life, but just just be aware. Keep this on your radar. This is what I did, and this is kind of how it turned out. And if I can prevent you from making the same mistake or taking the the harder road, yeah, I, I would love to do that. But again, we're going to travel the road that God called us to travel. Yeah, I love that. And and that's what I love about my friend Barry that I've talked about. I've referenced him, and you guys got to have him on. Barry, we're calling you out. We need you on the podcast. Yeah, he'll talk all day about his faults and his shortcomings and do it in such a great way to make everything so inviting. He's we're just setting amazing. aside three hours. <laughs> yeah, you should. Pray like crazy. Pray like crazy. I have a photo of a list of things that I've always prayed over my kids and now my grandkids uh, since they were born. At the beginning of our conversation, I shared how I saw things in my family and in my neighborhood families that I both liked and didn't like. I wanted to be intentional as a husband, as a dad, and now a grandpa to see things happen. So also intentionally, we've talked a little bit about this, intentionally lean into things that make you uncomfortable, that will help you grow and stretch spiritually. I think, I think prayer is probably one of the most challenging thing for men in the church, at least from all the men that I've talked to. It's probably one of the things that they're most uncomfortable with. And I was, I was the same way. Like I, I was so fearful of praying out loud just cause like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the authority. I don't have the, whatever the word is to pray, you know? And like, I would deflect. Like I even did this with Callie and the kids. Like who wants to pray trying to push it away. And, but then like, I, I started catching myself. I'm like, that's not, that's not the spiritual leader. So like, I need to challenge myself now and I need to to be the one. And, you know, sometimes the kids like to do it. You know, it, you know, your grandkids, they, they make the rules. So, you know, sometimes we got to ask them who wants to pray tonight, you know, but it, they say me, like, I better be ready. Right. I would say that that's a very common struggle for men. Uh, I still get that way in certain situations where I'll do it. It's not the most comfortable thing, but I'm, I've made a habit of uh, doing the things that scare me. And so at the end of the prayer, I'm, I'm literally shaking, but I did it. <laughs> I, had a, I had a good friend tell me the other day, it was like, hey, I got a, 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 somebody needed a prayer. And this friend was like, I'll pray for you. And did the whole thing, you know, and then was telling me about it. And, and the friend's like, so I just wish I was better at like praying out loud. I'm like, just talk to God like, like he's a friend. And the response I got was, you know, you're right. I don't know why why I think it has to sound perfect. It's like it doesn't. I'm like, I can tell you the times that it's just me talking to God, just me and him. And I'm sitting there, next thing I know, I'm just rambling about this one thing that is bugging me. And I'm sure, like, if you were to hear it out loud, you'd be like, what is this guy talking about? But I'm just, I'm just like, trying to, like, conversate with God. I mean, it, it looks different for everybody. So I don't... Don't, you shouldn't feel like it has to look this way, like like the like the old man at church that's eighty's been praying for like you know out loud in the church for seventy years and has mastered it and has these wonderful, beautiful words that he uses. It doesn't have to be that way. No, and what does the Bible say when we don't know how to pray or what to pray? The Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans, right? Words that are inexpressible. Yeah, and now. Every time Mike comes over for family dinner, he's not going to let me deflect my prayer to him anymore. <laughs> now that the secret's out, 
Pop, you got this one? I always get, I'm like, Pop, you want to pray? You know? <laughs> He's a spiritual leader. I'll let him lead the way. But now I see it coming down. I say, yeah, I think you got this one. Hey, don't let, don't let Kevin fool you. He can pray. Yeah, no, it's all good. We'll, we'll pray together. We'll yeah. bounce off each other. It's great. I'm learning. I'm growing. I love it. It's a challenge. All right. So kind of, kind of one, a few last things to, to wrap it up. I have never been a good reader in my life, but I've challenged myself over the last couple of years to start reading. And I have found that it, it is a great tool. It is a great tool, not only one to be reading the Bible, but there is so much knowledge and power in the words that people write out there. And so I've made it a mission to start reading more books based on the Christian faith. And I know that you're a reader. I know that you love to read. I know you got your, your quiet little spots around the property that Pop likes to go sit and read. So my question is, what would be some books that you would recommend highly that Christian men need to read? Yeah. And the cool thing about, you know, a lot of men also say that they're not readers or don't like to read, but the audiobooks are also, you know, out there now. And I know my buddy Barry, I'm talking about him again, uh, loves to just listen to books. Uh, so uh, we read a lot of the same books. Obviously, the number one book for Christian men to read is the Bible. A little phrase I like to say to myself is that I've got to be in the Word if the Word is going to be in me. Wow. Amen. I love that. I've never heard that. That's good. Yeah. I like to think that I coined that phrase. I don't know if I actually did. But uh, one book I've read multiple times is, and the one that you talked about that I gave you earlier, is Tender Warrior by Stu Weber. Uh, this book defines the blueprint being the man that God desires you to be, for the, to be the spiritual leader of your family. Uh, a couple of principles that stand out to me from this book include a man who stays, who keeps his commitments. You're teaching you know, your family an, an incredible life lesson to stay and stay and stay. The other is looking ahead to anticipate the he and head off challenges like we talked about earlier. He talks about like an old Western scout that would ride ahead of the wagon train and look for dangers and then come back and formulate a plan. That's what we're doing for our families. Yeah, which I think, is, which I think is, is huge. They, you know, they talk about we, we're trying to live like Jesus and Jesus went ahead of us all. Yeah. And I think if we're, if we're to, to lead our family that way, like we have to be ahead. We have to be able to look ahead. We have to use your word that you love discernment. We have to be able to discern ahead where, what direction are we going? Which way what, are we turning left? Are we turning right? What are, how are we approaching this? And like you said, being able to predict what is coming so that we can prepare our family and be ready for it. Very applicable for what you were about to get into. Oh my goodness, was it? <laughs> was it ever? I mean, it, it covers it all top to bottom. Top to bottom. Mike, how many times have you read this book? I can't even tell you. Multiple times. I've read it paper, and I also bought a copy and downloaded it on my iPad. So, like, if I was traveling or something, I could just pop it up and read some parts of it. So, it, it's kind of a tool that you've used to oh, guide sure. you and in, in leading your family. Well, that's awesome. I mean, who recommended this to you? That's a great question. Uh, my nephew, who was also in the military and who I was kind of working on for a lot of years to become a Christ follower, he finally did. And Praise God. He's, oh, my gosh. He's, Amen. He's amazing, but he recommended the book to me. Yeah, and I think you used the perfect word to explain it. It is a blueprint. Like, next to the Bible. I mean, the Bible tells us, you know, how to live, but next to the Bible, like, this is a blueprint practical application, stories, lessons, like it breaks it down. It is an amazing read. 
Another book I've read several times and often recommend is called Man in the Mirror by Patrick Morley. Uh, This book examines 24 problems. I think that's funny. Only 24. (laughs) Like we're only facing 24 problems. (laughs) Must be by hours in a day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, per day. That men often face and, and it outlines how to navigate godly manhood. It breaks down problems that we have with our identities, our relationships, money, how we spend our time and other key areas. Great, great book. I like the title. Man in the mirror. Yeah. It's catchy. Right? I no, I like that. I like that like a Michael thinking, Jackson song. Right? I'm like thinking of like, man, what do I see? Yeah, that's who that's what came to my mind is who is the man in the mirror when I look in the mirror? Is it the one that everyone else sees, or is it the one that I see? It should be the same. Right. Right? But yeah. is it? You want to be the same person in your home that you are, that you project to everyone else. I mean, you, there should be really no discernible difference between the two, I think. Right? It should I, be the same. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What uh, key scriptures do you uh, kind of come back to as you navigate um, your life as a spiritual leader in your home? Can I say all of them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't. You can. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, you, ex- this is your show. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll explain. When I was a kid, if I ever said I couldn't do something, I, I re- distinctly remember my mom would make me say Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and that has stuck with me my entire life. I probably rolled my eyes when I was a kid, like, oh, mom. But I found myself coming back to that verse every single time I face challenges, even now. And I really do love scripture. I love it. I have a binder full of verses that I've been writing for decades. It's hard to pick favorites, I think, because there are so many applicable and amazing words inspired by God. And so I guess I'd have to go with a verse that's in the very front of the binder. Very first, it's almost like my title page. It's 2 Timothy three fifteen through 16. And it says, And from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this is a great reminder to read that book. It's a real life changer. My key scripture over um, my uh, relationship with God has been uh, 1 Corinthians 10:13. Uh, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I've come to that a lot in life. Just I always feel overwhelmed. You know, I let I let something like beat me down and I'm like I can't like there's no way I can get out of it. there's no there's no escape. I'm done. Like, this is it. You know, I'm over it. Like, but God always shows up. He always gets you out. He's always got your back. So, yeah, I think you talk to 100 men, you're probably going to have 100 key scriptures that have helped them in their life and in their journey. And that's it's amazing. Is one of the reasons uh, Kevin started this podcast. He wanted to be able to dive into that and to be able to help other men. Yeah. Because uh, what I go through. There might be a couple other men or one, or maybe just one going through the same thing or what Kevin struggles with or what you struggle with. You might be that, that one who, who helps them, yeah. gets them and helps them draw even closer to God and become that spiritual leader in their family and to be able to um, you know, lead other men as well to Christ and, and um, just you know, continue to 
raise great children um, in the name of God. Yeah, you know what men what men struggle with the most? Selfishness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me included, right? And so, if we can break that selfishness in us, that will help us to be much better leaders of our family. A hundred percent. Kids help with that. Kids definitely help with breaking the the selfishness. Yes. Yeah, the real test will be if you ask Callie or Summer later if I'm telling the truth here. Like if I actually, you know, invested my time and and did everything, you know, that that'll be the, the you see if I'm telling the truth or not. I'm not I'm not, I'm not doing an investigation. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's clean it up. What do you got, Alex? What else do you got? Man, uh uh, not much. Mike, I appreciate your time with us here today. It was amazing. I mean, there's a, a song that I listen to. Um, it's called Kingdom Men. And one of the lines is in there, it's the kingdom men should be the heroes of their home. And I think that from what I've seen um, from Callie and getting to know her, that you have done that. And um, you should be extremely um, happy about it. Because it shows in, in their life, and uh, it also shows in, in Theo and Parker, because as I've gotten to know them, I, I see like little pieces of you that have dropped from from you to your daughter, to your grandkids. Um, so thank you for being a, a great example to your family and for being a kingdom man. Yeah, you know, when we're, I, I've heard before that, you know, we know when, when we're in the center of God's will because we feel his pleasure, and when I am leading my family when I'm with my family, you know, it, it's not family worship. Jesus is first. He's, he's, he comes before my family. They're second. And, uh, I, I feel his pleasure when I'm in, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. Uh, and I don't, I, again, I didn't do it perfectly and I made lots of mistakes, but, uh, my intentions were always to make them the priority. I, I think you nailed it. I, I think you did. And I think you continue to do that. I, I, I see it. What else do you got? I just love that you guys are doing this. Thank you so, so much. I, I'm glad, I'm really happy that you trusted me and to bring me in, and uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited to uh, see how it impacts people, impacts men who are trying to do the same. Yeah, I I don't know. I, me and Alex might have to talk, but I, I think we need to make you a regular, <laughs> a regular spot <laughs> on the podcast. Just, I mean, you're you're full of so much knowledge and so much insight, uh, and and it's great and. You know, like I said, I, I truly believe that you are the king, you're the warrior, you're the mentor and the friend to everybody's path that you cross. And I think that if we were to ask Barry and we were to ask Bill, I, I would be willing to bet that they would they would stand on that and be like, Yep, you're you're right. And Barry may Barry may say, Yeah, so am I. You know. But yeah. they'll um, t- they'll tell you other things too, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm excited. I hope you I hope they'll come on. I, I I called Barry out. We're we're gonna send Barry the podcast, and we're we're calling you out, Barry. You're on the spot. Awesome. Um. Again, thanks so much. I know this is way past your bedtime. I <laughs> I greatly uh, appreciate it. Um. So like always, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a prayer from scripture, and either one of you gentlemen can pray, or you both can pray, and we'll close it out, and and we'll we'll call it. So, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us for our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Do not let us yield to temptation or rescue us from the evil one. Dear God, I just want to come to you tonight and I just want to say, God, thank you for bringing Mike here. 
and allow, allowing us to have this opportunity to to ask him some questions, some tough questions. What it's like to be a leader in your eyes, God, to represent your kingdom in our homes, God. Thank you for letting him be a great example of what that looks like, God. I pray that you continue to help him in his life and in his journey as he as he continues to grow in you and learn about you. And I pray that he would continue to to spread your knowledge, to spread your word, to let people know about you, to help us young men learn what it is to be a good father that leads his family, that is a spiritual leader, that will navigate his family to you and will guide them in their life to help them grow closer to you. Lord God, I pray that whoever's listening to this, God, that you would open their ears and their hearts to receive you, receive what you have to say, God. I pray that you watch over us and protect us as we go out through this week. And thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, guys, do us a favor. Uh, Go check us out on Instagram, The Gospel Unbroken Podcast. If you guys like this, leave us a comment uh, or leave a comment in the review section on this. Let us know what you think. Give us some comments, concerns. And as always, stay bold, stay courageous. Stand the word. Yo, hey, you tell them heaven is my destination. Until I reach there, I'm teaching this kingdom education. Hey, don't be scared to lay your hands on the sick. And don't be scared to cast the devil out quick. Cause your obedience will unlock a miracle, though. Don't act hysterical, radical. Born again fully, yes, evangelical. Hey, my commitment is consistent in my father's work. How can you say that you a Christian if you're not at work?